Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Yuma, and you're listening to Management Decisions here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Now, this podcast is designed to look at topics related to upper management, giving all of us an idea of what are some of the keys to success. Now, regardless, though, of how successful an individual is, he or she has faced criticism and setbacks in their professional career, but it's how you handle those that's truly the critical component. Today, we have Mark Thompson, an executive coach and author of Admired, 21 Ways to Double Your Value. He is on the show joining us to discuss ways in which top leaders have fought through and bounced back from some of these perceived negative occurrences. Mark, thanks for coming on the show today. So glad to be along for the ride. Thank you. You have a great program. I appreciate that and uh, definitely a pleasure to have you on, a very worthwhile topic, something that touches a lot of people really, no matter where they are in their professional career. I wanted to ask first and foremost, in general, why is it so important that people know how to handle setbacks and how to deal with criticisms professionally? Well, you know, it's interesting. I've had the pleasure of being able to work with some of the greatest leaders in the world, some of the great innovators and entrepreneurs, people like Richard Branson and Steve Jobs and Charles Schwab. And and one of the things that you find so remarkable about people who've achieved at a very high level is that they seem to really harvest their setbacks and Mm -hmm. they seem to not really implode or become crippled or frozen by those moments that occur so frequently. In fact, kind of the higher you're shooting in your career and the harder you're working to get things done, the more likely you're to strike out. And so uh, one of the real big differentiators between the people who've been able to have uh, long successful records and those who kind of are fly-by-nights are the ones who really are able to lean into the setbacks they have, learn from them, and, and harvest every last drop of tuition they've kind of paid <laughs> Uh, because you know you, you you paid for it, you you spent right. the time, the effort, and the energy, and so this is for you. So get as much of a value out of it as you possibly can. That's what they do. Now, from your experience, then, is this something that these top leaders developed over time? Was this something that they had kind of from the beginning that allowed them to get to that next step and and obviously get bigger and better? Where do you think the uh, sort of the progress lies? Well, I think it happens because people may have had a struggle earlier in their life, and they found that the best way that they could cope is to learn and, and to do better. One of the kind of favorite dimensions of this that I love to talk to people about is, as a coach is the being dyslexic or having learning disabilities. The, that was certainly true of Richard Branson mm-hmm. and Charles Schwab. These are guys that you know are known to be kind of masters of the universe in their profession. One guy in financial services, the other who's able to kind of market any consumer product. Both of these people struggled through school. Chuck Schwab was almost thrown out twice for failing bonehead English. So I think when you have that kind of fearful setback or you feel that inadequacy early on and you kind of learn early on that uh, the best way that you can succeed in life is to to learn quickly and Mm -hmm. apply those lessons and then frankly gives you the humility to maybe reach out and recruit others to the task. You know, people who've had learning disabilities end up being great recruiters. They end up realizing that the best way you can scale your life and your career is to to surround yourself with really smart people. Sure, uh, your kind of own your own personal board of directors. You know, <laughs> folks who are loving critics who will kind of tell you when you're off uh, and uh, and still love you anyway, and tell you when you can uh, try to interpret and read the tea leaves and figure out why did this happen and and how could I do better next time. That's what these people did. They ended up being really great collaborators. They'd find co-conspirators and call them up and say, you know, what should I do here? Or how can I get help there? And, or who could help me with this? And, and not make it all about them. Because there's lots of other people who are in the same journey as you are in your career. Right. And uh, there's certainly strength in numbers. Oh, I think those are uh, terrific points that you bring up there. One thing I want to ask as well, and we'll get into some of the details here in just a moment, 
As far as personality types or maybe key skills, can you point to one or two that seem to be just in general necessary to really push, you know, push past these setbacks? Um, you know, you mentioned maybe the idea of humility or some other aspects that that play a factor. Is there something you could point to in general? Well, it's interesting. You know, the question of personality is a really good one, Tim, because I think that for a lot of us, we feel kind of inadequate to the task to reach greatness often. I mean, we don't wake up feeling full of energy every day. Mm. We don't always feel like we're going to be able to go out and conquer the universe. In fact, it's usually the inverse. We're usually the first people to look in the mirror and say, are you kidding? Uh, (laughs) How are we going to pull this off today? And so one of the things that really is a, an underlying strength that we see that the people develop over time is, is their ability to say, okay, I don't have to be perfect to do something great. You know, I can take a step today towards improving my career, building a skill, mm-hmm. making a difference, maybe helping a colleague or, or really pleasing a customer today, you know, take those small steps. And so I'd say one of the characteristics ends up being one where you live your values instead of just living your dreams, that you're willing to be in a position where you are deciding that you're going to be great to other people, you're going to, be, uh, you're going to contribute to, to making a difference in your company, and are persistent at trying to accomplish that, because right. that's where the long-time sort of yield is. That's where you get your long-term yield. Sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about maybe some strategies, some tips, some things that you've come across uh, just with your experience in, in working with some of these individuals. The first one that came uh, about in an article was the idea of just let it go. Something I'm sure we've said to ourselves, we've told others, uh, sounds easy, right? Just just let it go. But what does that really mean in a professional setting? How can you take steps to truly let it go when there's a harsh criticism or a, an unfortunate setback? Well, you know, there's a, a, a common th- theme that we found. We did a world success survey. We talked to people who had been high impact in their field or profession and career, whatever it was. They could be a community leader. They could be a CEO. They could be a manager. They could be a customer service rep. They might be an educator, a physician. And uh, we talked to people who'd had impact and success in those careers for 20 years or more. We try to look at what the DNA was of lasting success. Right. And what we found is that the people who were able to continue to you know, pull it off year after year were not the ones that avoided the setbacks or didn't have failures or, or didn't have considerable struggle. They were the people who were kind of very connected to why they're doing what they're doing. In other words, is there some sort of purpose or cause or company or customer? There's something about this work that you feel like you want to really contribute to and stayed focused more on that sense of purpose and, and how this might have an impact in the, the people's lives or, you know, if you're a customer service rep, how did you make that person's day brighter? Mm-hmm. That, that all can really feel great. And then really have a, a clear sense of what your own passions are too. You know, is this some, the type of work that you want to do? I had an opportunity to meet Warren Buffett, the uh, billionaire who has uh, hundreds of companies that he has to have influence over. And you can just imagine uh, as a job seeker how many people want to work for Warren Buffett because <laughs> sure. he's kind of known to, to kind of tap dance to work. You know, he still drives in an old car and lives in his original house. And, the, and, uh, and it seems like a down-to-earth sort of person who's been a legendary investor, one of the most successful in history. Right. And, um he said, like, the thing that's usually missing for most people that we all have in our heart and soul, that, that we all have in common, but are often too afraid to express, is that, you know, he'll, he'll run across kind of rock star resumes where people have performed really well or they've done this or that. He says the most common thing that he's seeing missing is uh, a sense of why you personally are, are committed or are passionate or feel energized by the work that you do. I mean, mm. what, what's in it for you? And he said, it's like people will say, you know, I'll do this work. But, uh, you know, I'll pursue my passion and maybe in the evening if I get around to it or on the weekend or maybe in that next job or someday I'll mm-hmm. go 
to this uh, this distant tropical island known as Someday Isle, <laughs> and uh, I'll do it then, or I'll, I'll do it in, an, in another life. And he says, you know, kind of postponing your sense of applying a passion to what you do is, you know, like putting off sex to old age. It's a really bad idea. <laughs> you know, it might n- never happen. You, you, you have to have the, you know, some courage and, and some faith in yourself that it's the difference between what we saw, you know, mediocre and great was mm-hmm. people who were willing to say, you know, I, I'm actually going to take the job or do the work that I'm passionate about because that ultimately is what will differentiate you from the rest of the crowd. That's what's going to get you promoted. We, we looked at people who are passionate in their work and they not only uh, have um, higher pay, but they tend to also have the best ideas. They're the most persistent. They're resilient to, from failures. They get fewer sick days. They even live longer. Hmm. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's not a matter of trying to copy Warren's, Warren Buffett's sort of career or Bill Gates' career or Condoleezza Rice. You, you really want to be in a position where you can try to apply something that's special about you. I mean, one of the work the work that you're doing here, Tim, in being able to provide this podcast, you probably love something about broadcasting and, and that attracts you to it. And, and that makes you better than the next guy who might just be assigned that project. And so that, that underlying passion, in addition to being able to have impact on people's lives in terms of their careers, I'm, I'm guessing those, those are two areas that are, that are passions for you and, and that they really help you make a difference in your career. Yeah. And I love how you uh, brought it right on to me personally. Yeah, I completely agree when you have that... Um that real personal passion about something, whether it be the industry or, as you said, being able to help others in, in your own unique way. Uh, I definitely appreciate right. you bringing that up and you're, you're spot on with that. In talking a little bit more about you know the ideas of, of course, there are going to be times where there's criticism, uh, some sort of setback throughout our career. Another phrase that, uh, that I had seen from, from you was the idea to turn wounds into wisdom. What, what are we talking about with wounds? What are we talking about by uh, turning that into wisdom as well? Well, we all have something that is kind of our Achilles heel or something that we all perceive that it is about ourselves Mm. that we think that we need to get better at or maybe that we fear that we may never get better at. And there's always something that uh, if you think about the the great storytelling, everything from Greek tragedies to Shakespeare or or even television, when you turn it on today, there's always that fatal flaw that the hero has and uh, something that when they recognize it, when, you, when you're willing to face your fears and embrace them and deal with them and maybe use them as power uh, in your work, then that usually ends up being a happy story. Right. And if the hero fails to recognize uh, his or her flaws and is in denial, then that's a tragedy. <laughs> and uh, uh, It's not that you don't have the flaws, it's whether it's how you deal with them or it's not that you don't have difficulties or struggles, it's how we make choices to be able to apply ourselves to create a solution. And so being able to watch leaders who've been successful for 20 years or more in their careers, step after step, I, I see them stumble. I see them have humiliations. Mm. Uh, I was making a reference earlier to Chuck Schwab, who was you know almost thrown out of school a couple of times, and you know he thought he was really bright, and he would describe himself as feeling humiliated when he got into college, and um, you know he thought he was able to apply himself in certain subjects, but but when it came to bonehead English, it was crash and burn for him. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that ended up transforming him was when he became really clear, like, okay, so I'm dyslexic. Uh, what am I going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Well, he can, he can use uh, audio books. He could use other ways of trying to absorb information other than just reading. He could work in a, in a better study group and recruit a great group of people around him that are brilliant at reading, and he could contribute his, his talents, which were very much more around marketing and finance. And he could create this dream team around himself uh, that, that everybody prospered from. And 
so in a sense, he was taking his wound, the perception of being a, a dyslexic who would just fail and not be able to succeed in every subject or communicate as effectively as he wanted to. He turned that into wisdom and said, you know, what I can do is be a hell of a re- recruiter, a, a, a person who pulls together a great dream team uh, and builds a mentorship around you that, that makes you very successful. I, I think also he was able to turn it into genius because here's a guy who actually innovated the whole concept of, of making things simple in financial services sure. long before anyone else had tried to do that. And there's nothing like Richard Branson's the same way as uh, he's also dyslexic. And he said, you know, it's just, I can't afford to have things other than being simple. Uh, if they're too complicated, I don't understand it. So if I can understand <laughs> it, the world can understand it. Right. Um, and that ends up being genius because, you know, financial services and a lot of other product categories seem to kind of rely a lot on being sold by people who are uh, like this high, high priesthood that reads and where the rest of the world doesn't have those skills. Mm-hmm. Keeping things incredibly simple, keeping them down to earth, and keeping things collaborative ends up being um, you know, a, a huge source of, of wisdom in his life. He also, he would be asked to do a keynote speech and, and be terrified to have to read a block of type on a, on a page. Really? John Chambers at Cisco is the same way. I mean, I, I did a Cisco summit and uh, I was pacing back and forth, getting uh, rehearsing, and almost <laughs> ran directly into John. Uh, here he has done that conference with his customers a thousand times, and he was rehearsing because he, he can't read a script. He's dyslexic. Hmm. But what did that do for him? Boy, when he gets on stage, he's authentic. He has mm-hmm. a dialogue. He has a conversation like we're having right now. He's not so over-polished reading from a teleprompter that you know it's like sometimes the, the leader isn't even present when they, when they read their scripts. Right. You need to be there and be present. And I think finally, it also, the other wisdom that he gets is a sense of humility. Here you've got people who are highly accomplished. They're very skillful. And, you know, the first, the first thing that happens when you're really successful is often you get arrogant, you get complacent, you get, frankly, fear of change. You don't want to take risks because what, hell, what you're doing already works. And then the world changes on you and, or customers need something different and you're not there for them. And, and then you have a failure. So, one of the great things that we found about people whose careers continue to grow was that they not only learned each time, but they had this combination, this kind of paradoxical combination of humility on the one hand that we mentioned earlier and hubris or ambition. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you have to say, do you have the humility to be willing to get better at what you do to say, okay, maybe yesterday was a big win. Sometimes success is not the greatest teacher. You know, How can I get better next time? I, right. I haven't met an Olympic athlete or, you know, somebody at the World Cup who didn't think they couldn't play better next time. You know, here they are at the top of their craft, Mm -hmm. and they have the humility to say, you know, I could do better at this, I could do better at that, how can I get better, could I get feedback from others, from those loving critics about how to get better at what I'm doing. That really sets you apart uh, to have that kind of humility. It also takes a little humility to say, you know, I need help from other people. (laughs) Sure. I need assistance with this. I I need a, a team to build my dream. Nobody does anything worthwhile alone. But then at the end of the day, what are you building towards? You're building towards trying to do something great. And that takes usually a hell of a lot of ambition and hubris. So it's this, there's kind of a paradox there that the people who are the most successful didn't follow a script, but they did have this wonderful balancing act and the, the, the kind of constant struggle between hubris and humility, mm-hmm. between ambition and the willingness to, you know, to listen and recruit others and, and to say, you know, I, I know I can get better tomorrow, but you've right. got to believe that you can get better too. So that's, <laughs> that, that shows ego, right? I mean, if you didn't think you could do better, then, then you need something to be, you know, to be kind of drawing your, and attracting your interest. So turning wounds into wisdom is, is, I think, a very powerful way to think. All of us have wounds. And uh, I think in most cases, those can be your strengths. 
Well, and that's why I love you bringing up some of the examples you did because so many people will see, again, someone like Schwab or Branson and just say, you know, oh, you know they've, they've always had it all. They've always, you know, they've been the top of their class. Yeah. 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 But to, to see those flaws. Right. Right. I think, yeah. uh, you know, you can relate uh, in a way and maybe it, it, you don't look yeah. in the mirror and think so negatively like, like you've been talking about. Exactly. Right. There's a lot that you can do. Yeah, Exactly. You know, we are getting a little low on time. There are a couple more things I just wanted to ask about, though. Um, and maybe you kind of touched on it here in talking about the sort of this balancing act of, you know, confidence and humility. And mm-hmm. what do you see as the most common mistakes for professionals when there is a setback, when they do hit some criticism? What what often is the misstep people will take when they run into things like this? We talked earlier about uh, how crippling it can be to, to be criticized uh, and have a setback and when you think about it, there's uh, almost an art to absorbing rejection. And that one of the things that is the hallmark of success is when you start to get a lot of criticism uh, and rejection. <laughs> because what that means is that, you know, it's, it's almost as if you, aren't, if you aren't having failures, if you aren't having setbacks, you're not in the batting cage. You're not whatever metaphor for, for practice that you might have mm-hmm. in your life. Think about how, you know, the major league baseball players miss more than they hit and they're still in the major leagues. If you aren't in the process of continuing to try and to iterate and, and to get better, you know, and if you're not having setbacks and rejection, you're, you're probably not trying hard enough. You're not taking the opportunity to, to do better. So one of the things that uh, ends up being an important step for everyone is to kind of face the brutal truth. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the worst thing that can happen when you're being criticized often is to actually stop and think that, well, maybe part of it's true. And instead of just railing against that, you know, what can we do with it? How can we turn it? If it's a wound, can we turn it into wisdom? Right. If it's something that's, you know, and there's also a lot of people out there who are in their own terrible dramas and just act like jerks. And can we let it go? You'd mentioned that earlier. How, how is it that we, we let this go? The people we found who were consistently successful would, uh, you know, take what they can learn from rejection and then and let the rest of it go and let it roll. And the only way to get used to that is to try to out, be out there practicing what you do with enough frequency that it doesn't sting as much to get feedback. If you're in, involved in doing something, you, you know, be out there, do it as much as you possibly can. There was a wonderful study done out of the University of Florida uh, many years ago. The researchers really concluded that deliberate practice takes 10,000 hours mm-hmm. to build a true skill. What they don't talk a lot about is that it's, you know, 8,000 of those hours could be pretty messy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it ain't That's a good point, practice. yeah. You know, I mean, I think what we often see is the observation you made about, you know, very successful people or celebrity leaders and people who've had glamorous careers, you know, we're, we're always seeing the last inning. We're often seeing, you know, they're, they're 20 year overnight successes, <laughs> you know, and it's very, it's been very messy along the way. And uh, they've had their, they've made bad choices and they've had setbacks and they've been criticized often wrongly uh, and then sometimes rightly. And in all cases, they get back on the bicycle and mm-hmm. do more of what they love. I think this is one of the reasons why I find it so critical in the work that we do as executive coaches is to, to remind people that, uh, to, to have faith in their passions and, and to look for a sense of purpose that, that drives you, that makes you feel like you're having impact. Because you are going to have setbacks, you, you know, you, and you are going to work not 40 hours a week, most likely, in your career to climb the ladder. You're going to work a lot more hours. So right. what the heck's going to keep you engaged if you aren't? very focused on a sense of a purpose and, and passion in the work that you do somehow are fed by the work that you do so you're not depleted. 
is going to be differentiating you from the, the other 61% of the population that hates their job. <laughs> right there, you're going to have a two-thirds advantage over the rest of the working population by you know, giving yourself the, the, the privilege of, of pursuing something that you think is meaningful. Well, Mark, I know we've touched on a number of different areas, and I appreciate all of your insight with it. As we wrap up here, I just want to give you the floor for the last, say, 30 seconds. If you could give a final takeaway for anyone out there who you know, has had to go through this, or, or maybe they're wondering if they can handle the, the failures and the criticisms, what would you tell them as a sort of a final wrap of our conversation today? Well, I would say that the best thing that you can do is, is follow your passion and uh, to see how it can be fed into the work that you do, not in every moment of every day, but to be a, a real anchor and a mainstay, that to, to believe in yourself enough to explore that and to, and to recruit kind of co-conspirators and collaborators and, and people around you who can feed that passion and, and help support you on your journey and your career because they'd love your support too. You have a lot to contribute to others and, and they, they're looking to you and, and would love to reciprocate and, and support you on your building your dream. And with that, we will close out this edition of Management Decisions. Again, we've been talking about maybe some of the ways we can handle criticisms and setbacks and a reminder that even the top leaders, they've gone through this uh, throughout their careers as well. We've been speaking with Mark Thompson today. Mark, thanks again for sharing your experience, your perspective, um, obviously a, a lot of insight when it comes to these types of individuals and what they've done to succeed. So we do appreciate you coming on the show today. Delighted to do it, Tim. And thanks again. And, and keep going. This is a great program. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you. I definitely appreciate that as well. And of course, we want to hear from you, the listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions, just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. Use hashtag LJNRadio to get involved with some conversations on there as well. For everyone else here at LJN Radio, I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. <laughs>